0: hello everybody and welcome back to the second or another i think the second episode of the sages a podcast within a podcast and the podcast that is within is neighbor's wisdom oh with me don't fuck are you kidding (laughs) and with me back again since we uh you know, evicted her from the Nehru's wisdom space. Found her way <laughs> back in. We have Wendy, and then of course we also have Ange.
1: Hello, Wendy, hi. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back, back from the dead. Oh my yes. god! Yeah, I. Just... I don't know how
0: you found the keys and got back in the recording studio that we're in right now. Obviously, mm-hmm.
1: why don't you? What do? You, why don't you update the listeners on what the past couple months have been like? For you.
2: <laughs> okay, so um, you know, it's been. It's been an, uh, an interesting one, right? I, I slipped, fell, you know, fractured my ankle. But you know what? I'm back.
0: And that's enough from Wendy. <laughs> Did you mute her? She can unmute herself. Ange, why are we here today?
1: Wow. Okay. So a couple months ago, for some reason, my brain keeps thinking December. I don't know if that was actually the time. That I feel was.
0: like that fits it good. Like a wintry. I get it. Like yeah. I, see, I see the vision your brain was creating.
1: Right. So in a group chat with Luke, Wendy and I, Studio Ghibli Movies came up and they're like, hey, Ange, have you ever seen Princess Mononoke? And I was like, no. And all hell broke loose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So a few days later, we streamed it together. I watched it for the first time and I've been obsessed ever since. And Ange then cries
0: every time the oh God, departure to the west reaches its like climax. It's true. So does Ange and then it's just tears all the way down. Yeah.
1: And then after we watched it for the first time, our group chat blew up with just long paragraphs from Luke about different oh, I ways.
0: Oh, What was it? It was yeah. like a Saturday. It was a weekend morning, right? Yes, it was talking. so
1: much text. Yeah. But it was all good about different ways that we could talk about Princess Mononoke on the podcast. The original idea was to connect it to Breath of the Wild. Um, but we can just
0: drop it it's not but there, yeah
1: that angle isn't completely this, you can now. you can
0: make the synthesis yourself but it's not so strong that it must be included very true
1: know? yeah and now but, um, eight months later <laughs> we finally have this episode for you guys
0: so what happened was i remembered the catalyst because i am the catalyst mm-hmm. it all started when i said like hey guys i actually prefer the dub of princess mononoke
1: Oh, correct. This is how it started. That's right. Yeah,
0: and I was wow. like, I felt I felt Wendy, you know, hand on the holster, like ready to... Whoop-ah!
1: Yeah, clueless and and of... me was like, why?
0: And I just yeah. like, what do you mean, or something? Or some things, And Wendy was about to shoot me. And I know if Carolina heard me mention the words D-U-B somewhere, she would just <laughs> cut my head <laughs> off. And basically what it was was that in the bajillion twenty four gazillion times that had seen Princess Mononoke. And the same thing happens when you reread a book, replay a game. You know, you always get something new from it, right? It's it's very if you don't have any value in rewatching something or re engaging with something, then there was never any value in any way. Very true. I have rewatched Princess Mononoke countless of times. And each time there's something different I focus on. And specifically what I refer to in the dub was saying why I like the dub better was I had, it's not like a theory or um. I had this lens that I had realized in at that time, my most recent watch through of seeing like the three narratives or the three protagonists of Princess Mononoke being San Moro and Lady Eboshi. And I noticed in the sub that Moro's voice isn't as um feminine or feminine coded as she is in the dub.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And it kind
0: of it kind of like I felt like oh you know it's it's missing out a bit cuz I think um the guy who voices in in the Japanese the guy who voices Moro also voices the witch of the waste in Hell's Moving Castle. Mm. hmm and I was like, this is like, a, I just, it just felt a bit weaker to me because I liked seeing this, these three parallels of uh, Moro, San and Iboshi, all women, all like the leads of this movie. And I liked those like, um, you know, the those similarities between them, which also helped, you know. Which also helps show that the pair those three parallel narratives going where if we have one side being on the side of industry and humanity which would be Iboshi, then the other end of the spectrum is moro and san being both like neither human nor beast is stuck in the middle Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i that at least that lens really hit home for me with having with moro having a, a more feminine coded voice and then it led me to talk about that to Ange and Wendy. I'm like, oh, is this just like a dumb, silly thing? Like,
1: I remember, I remember when we finished watching it, and you asked me what I thought. And I think one of the first things I said was, um, "Does Zelda have some of the malice in her after Breath of the Wild?" That was one of the things that I connected. I don't even it. know what the Ooh. fuck. Like,
0: you were like, huh? you. That's the first. Like, I think. I don't know. I was like so thrown off by that question. Like, what? Ma- Mouse, what? Prince of Manuki, <laughs> Zelda, who? Zelda, Z- who?
1: Because I was thinking of, you know, San having.
0: You were already putting the theories and... together.
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: You're ready to go. We'll make you a YouTube channel so you can just. I'll make my well, how, own video essays exactly, on yeah, that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> how
1: much I love Lady Eboshi.
0: <laughs> I thought that was going to be the first thing you were going to mention was that you had a crush on Lady Eboshi. I
1: mean, I was going to say, I mean, I love the dub because of Lady Eboshi's like kind of British accent, but Mini
0: Driver, I think she's kind of a baddie. Mm-hmm. She's a hottie, I guess.
2: Wow. I think and- Luke, when you mentioned in the little chat that we were having. You're also, I guess, expecting me to kind of bash on the dub, but I, <laughs> Studio Ghibli just does such a good job with their dubs, um, but this one in particular, Princess Mononoke, is the one that I really, really enjoyed, um, both the dub and the sub. Um, and it definitely give very different meanings with Moro. Um, the voice in the Japanese uh, version, it's, you know, it's male. <laughs> and then when you hear uh, the dub version, it's um, female. And I think Andrew and I want to go a little bit deeper in this later in the episode.
0: That's the thing. Um, I'll mention that too. Yeah, of
2: course. Um, I think it's, again, it's one of of those films that I also very much enjoyed. And um, when Luke and I started talking about this, I had no idea he had watched this one before until you know we went to we started watching them in the theaters i think when yes. ghibli had that and then uh, the mm.
0: the ghibli fest we first started going to as a little friend group
2: yeah and that's when i was like wait you watch princess mononoke and i was like yo i watched that in high school like um my own you know film teacher was like this is such an amazing movie um he recommended it to all his students and from it's there so i was good. like yeah it's the story the characters it's so so good um even just the production of it it's amazing Wait, oh, yeah. speaking
1: of Ghibli Fest, I think they're doing Castle in the Sky
0: in November, yeah. It's <gasps> going to be Spirited Away in the beginning of October. How's Moving Castle towards the end of October. Um I think uh Castle in the Sky in November and then December is Ponyo or something. Mm-hmm. Um I'm Ooh. not too sure. <laughs> or or some things like that. You know what I songs? Or some things. things. Or some things. Yeah. things. But I and what I think, and I guess this is a sort of a warning, you know, like, don't take this as canon or whatever, you know what I mean? Don't run with this too hard, but yeah. I I guess acknowledge my preference for Moro being voiced as a woman because in Western mythology, culture, history, whatever, the idea of a she-wolf is a... Right. Uh, extremely common the most notable at least for me is um you know romulus and remus the Mm -hmm. legendary founders of rome being raised by like a she-wolf it's like i i feel like already a bias towards that but um i think equally like what i said this is um um I think equally you could make a similar you could make another argument for the sub as well. Like it could go either way. I found right. I found the message. I found okay.
1: Oh, you did, <laughs> and then the yep. channel three three twenty four
0: twenty one. Foundational reason why I like the dub better is because
1: we I watched even, it in March.
0: I think that's when I this is when I mentioned it. Oh, okay. I, it could be oh. that's when we watched it, but this is this is definitely when I uh had my like a uh, paragraphs ranting. thing. I said, I believe in the sub morals either male or mass-coded but it is voiced by a guy wearing the dub she's strictly feminine-coded you know, in Western mythologies maternity and nature often go hand-in-hand hand. you know, the mother-wolf-she-wolf myth oh, it's funny, I'm repeating myself <laughs> <laughs> and I said oh, here I said, but I think having her more feminine-coded completes or supports the triangle of protagonist slash antagonist more wholly, in that it both represents industry, morals are directly a representation of the forest while San, seemingly strictly on the side of the forest, is, is more placed in the middle of these conflicts. And I said, I think that triangle works well because while we see Ashitaka as the protagonist, and this is where I made the first connection to Breath of Wild, where I think maybe you ran with it yeah. a little bit, and I said it was, because it's a lot like in Breath of Wild, Wild, I said it's like Zelda story, but we're kind of playing in the last act as Link.
2: Right. And mm-hmm. I
0: said, and my thing was Princess Monoke isn't about Ashitaka, clearly from the title. It's about, I said it was, it's possibly more so about Sun's inner conflict and paradoxical existence as both wolf and human, and as she spooled into a more middle-balanced view of the conflict through Ashitaka by ultimately working with him and not necessarily exacting the revenge she wanted. And I said, I don't know if this makes sense. Or maybe not. Don't hate me. Just a thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in classic and said, fashion.
0: And I said, like, Princess Mononoke is a woman's story, not because anything they do is inherently feminine about the story, but the most impactful arcs and character developments come from our three women leads. So that's the parallelisms I was kind of talking about and why I prefer the dog. Right. And I said, Ashitaka and Yukur, are not the protagonist in the sense because, like, um, you know, they, they're they're already on that, what the movie's objective good side is from the beginning. Right. And then Wendy said, "Hold on." <laughs> so that's kind of how this episode started. That's where like the this went with. And then, obviously, as I mentioned, the idea of doing a, a podcast episode about this, I was like, "Yeah, let me let me head the head the podcast about a thing about women." And I was like, "Why not let the women do it?" Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. audience members, you and I are in. Somewhat similar shoes or socks today, if you're wearing any. I get it's summer, it; summer could Crocs. be hot. Or Crocs today. I'm actually not wearing my Crocs right now. <gasps> I didn't. It's I didn't scary. change out of them when I got back from work. I want to though. After we record, I'm gonna relax. And and yes. we're similar in the sense, audience members, precious little listeners, because Ange and Wendy have taken this little inkling that I mentioned, and they basically wrote their own persuasive essays about it it's almost gonna be like a panel <laughs> discussion and i'm gonna listen wendy has seven pages of notes guys let me tell oh, you
2: there's some with, quotes with, citations, there. <laughs> with citations
0: however one of them being wikipedia so no because it's well
2: okay i'll go into that
0: <laughs> you can defend look if you want to have a dissertation defense later at the end of this we can do it okay but, yeah that's um, fine that's basically my intro to it i may have comments or questions and listeners you may have comments or questions too that we can always always address in later episodes but for now i'm going to hand it over to them for them to take it over you guys are in charge and when you guys can start between each other wants to go first or if you want to talk it out together whatever but now mm-hmm. i am passing the reins on to you the introduction's yeah. over and we are at the mercy of your hands
2: Wow. My goodness, this is so exciting! Oh my goodness, Angie. So how are you gonna do this? Rock paper scissors? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to go first? I mean,
2: we could just Honestly, bounce back and yeah, forth. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Listen, like, like, yeah, you do it. No, this is a regular. This, this is just a conversation between us. Um, so, All right, let's go. So, getting the elephant out of the room, right?
1: Right. The main character, or the, you know perceived main character of the movie is Ashitaka, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, one of the first little bits of notes that I took was having a male protagonist be the vessel of the story, right? Mm -hmm. Excuse me. It's allergy season. You're good. (laughs) So,
0: My fucking (laughs) god.
1: So, I basically noted that in my opinion, one of the most interesting things about the story is we learn about these three different women through Ashitaka and his quote-unquote eyes unclouded by hate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As hate and vengeance are somewhat the main motivators behind these women's motivations, right? Because Moro and San have a very big dislike for humans. Lady Boshi doesn't necessarily hate the forest and nature, but is definitely working against it She's um, definitely
0: also fighting her society too.
1: Very true. Uh, for the benefits of Iron Town. Mm-hmm. And if you were to view the plot of Princess Mononoke as one that is very female centric, right? This yeah. very extensive focus on Ashitaka definitely had the potential to be a bit damaging to the story, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of smoothens out because Ashitaka's empathy and his very earnest demeanor right which are very which are qualities that are not common in princes by the way which i think just makes him very great um those actually make him probably the best vessel to learn about these women right Mm -hmm. because if we were to see the movie through any of the perspectives of the other women the bias would be heavily skewed hold on (laughs) um the bias would be very skewed in one direction or the other because San and Moro and Lady Iboshi are not on the same sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ashitaka conducts himself in a way that is very beneficial, I think, also to each of these three women and their causes at some point in the film. Which indicates, I think, to the viewer that each of these characters is in some way very valid for their perspectives. Can I inter-
0: can I interrupt you real quick? Should yeah, I save can. Should I save my questions for the end or ask as I have them?
1: You can ask as you have them. I'm almost
0: done like pitching okay. this thing.
1: Okay,
0: cool. Let me try to remember what I was literally just thinking. <laughs> okay.
1: Do do do. Yeah. So I think I, I think there's moments in the film where Ashitaka is supporting each of these three female characters at least at one point, right? um and that indicates to the viewer that each of these characters are valid for the perspectives that they hold even if they're in conflict with each other um and that makes their causes worthy of the viewers empathy in my opinion so i was going to ask how you guys felt about ashitaka being the way that we're introduced to the world if there's any moments where you think he as our eyes helps the women stand out particularly well so
2: I think definitely Ashitaka, once we, uh, enter Irontown and we, um, are introduced to Lady Boshi, um, we kind of get to, through him, we kind of get to explore a little bit more about this society, right, Mm -hmm. um, and through there, um, we kind of, at first, side with him, I feel like that, I don't know about you, you guys, um, but at first, it's definitely like, you know, who, who's Ashitaka, why, why is it that, um, why is it that I feel this way towards, like, well, about him once we learn about Lady Boshing and what she's been doing to the forest and why she is trying to hunt down, you know, San? Um, and so through him, obviously, we got to meet one of the, you know, the most amazing characters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, just to go back, I guess, with the title of Princess Mononoke, um, you see the title and immediately you're like, oh, we're probably going to get introduced to a princess, right? who is Princess Mononoke? Who is this? But obviously the first character that we get introduced to is a prince, you know? Um, And so through there, you're kind of, I myself was like wondering, when are we going to get introduced to this, you know, princess? Or is it, you know, just something (laughs) that we're never going to learn about? And obviously we get to meet that through a prince Mm -hmm. Um, and we get to see who the princess of the spirits is. Um, But yeah, uh, again, I, I mean, I agree with you on that. Um, he's definitely one of the vessels that helps us kind of shape, some some viewers shape their opinions about some of the characters, um, but again, I think that's one of the beauties of this film. So yeah, that's what I have about that. <laughs> what about you, Lukey boy?
0: This isn't about me, but um, <laughs> I was just going to ask you guys, as mm-hmm. at least as far as I know, you identify as women. Very so, true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: do you enjoy the movie more in this lens? Like, was there a sense of relatability, like a greater sense of relatability possibly in this lens that like we've kind of created or at least further looked further into?
1: Like seeing it through Ashitaka as opposed to any of the other women in the movie? Or
0: just seeing the way
2: the woman are portrayed?
0: ashitaka being like an impartial judge how the women are represented and you're like oh you know like it's you know like it's a bit i don't know if it's the right word like is it a bit like representation like you're seeing like oh look at all these women because i'm writing i'm writing as i think like who are like you know the key pivotal points and in the beginning like straight from the jump you have kaya who i think in the and the dub is Ashitaka's little sister. Right. And the yes. sub is Ashitaka's fiancé. But either way, Kaya has the crystal dagger. And you have the mm-hmm. wise woman who kind of, like, sets Ashitaka and his path going. Then, you know, San and Boshimoro. And then Toki. I forget. She's almost, like... I
1: love Toki. Like,
0: the leader of the the, of the, the, the Iron Irontown. Town ladies. Yeah. But yeah. also... At le- not the leader, but at least, like, the 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 visual figurehead instead of, you know, having all of them be different characters. And then I said like the rest of, um the rest of the Iron Town ladies too. Cause even the ones, you know, even the two ladies that shoot Ashitaka, like, you mm-hmm. know, like it's,
1: mm-hmm. well, I think, I think it's fine because any judgment that Ashitaka does impart on any of the characters is not done because they are women you know like Mm -hmm. i think i think the same way that he judged lady eboshi for destroying the forest the same way that he judged san for hating her humanity he would have done the same thing if they were male characters as well
0: yeah
1: Mm -hmm. um that could just be a projection on my part but um but i i I, i think you know
2: yeah, okay. Oops.
0: What I'm more curious is, like, at a superficial level, would you see this movie as, like, oh, this is, like, a strong women feminine representation? Like, if you're looking for a movie where, like, you know, it's not just a bunch of guys being dudes or something. Like, would you know what? I, do you get what I'm saying, kind of?
2: Yeah. You know, I agree. I mean, honestly, when I was watching this film, um, the first couple times around, um, the on, train, um, the wise woman when mm-hmm. she's called in immediately to come look at the uh the demon well the boy that was infected by um the malice um i was immediately reminded of how i guess like in my family um there's always an older uh woman that's in charge of like herbal mm-hmm. medicine and healing and things like that and it's right. oftentimes someone that you respect and you you know you don't question them at all of course unless there's something that you know it's something that's bothering you or something that may concern you whatever but it's always a certain figure that you hold to a certain um, level and that's kind of what i see with uh at first when i first watched the movie with the wise woman and kind of going into lady boshi and ashitaka's um first interactions um he doesn't question her authority at all um it's more or less like kind of just reiterating what Ange just mentioned literally talks to her in a sense where it's like, you know, why are you messing with the forest the forest in the first place, you know? Um, and even with San, doesn't even question her and her mother, Moro um, kind of just talks to them in a sense where it's like, you know, they're just these these figures that, you can't, you know, they, they have such a high um, level of respect from those around them. And yeah, that's something I, that I highly respect from Asutaka.
1: Yeah, I don't think... Because I found the women in this film to be very compelling, right? And
0: 100%. I I guess I'm biased by saying that.
1: (laughs) Right, and I wonder if it's my bias too, because I don't think they stand out because Ashitaka is a bit of a blank state. Like, Ashitaka is definitely a character with his own agency, and he stands on his own, you know? I just think the women are also great (laughs) and stand on their own, and maybe... Mm -hmm. Because their convictions are a lot stronger? Um
0: I guess that's what I'm saying. Like is it yeah is it like good, you know, representation for women in film? Even I personally think so.
1: And I don't know if it
0: Like does that give more merit to this lens we're looking at it in, like saying like, oh look at this three parallel narratives, arcs, characters, or whatever. I and definitely think cool so. I just women. don't know okay. if people
1: come away from watching the movie thinking
0: thinking, that. That. thinking
2: about that you right. know? well at
0: least when i thought of it it definitely wasn't my first watch through, right
2: mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i honestly think that this does have like a great representation um i don't see any other film where women oftentimes are sword fighting um <laughs> i don't see that and even in, in, especially in, in an animated movie like the family movie like this um you often see men interacting this way and of course there's another dialogue in here um that i mentioned with uh the i think one of the messengers from
0: um slow your roll when you oh, got a lot God. to say All i'm right, looking i'm bye. looking at your nose stop, stop trying to, this is stop trying one to of skip those. through it stop trying to skip through you got a lot of things you want to say here say them. um
2: wait what oh right so Uh-oh. like you know no because like i feel like it definitely adds into that conversation because with lord asano's messengers comes in and immediately tells them
0: oh i um, love that scene you know
2: yeah oh, like Toki at the top yeah. With the women, yeah exactly with the with the women like the messenger he goes lady Iboshi, mistress of the iron town i bring a message to you from my lord asano you have fought violently and well now open your gates that we may speak with you and the Ironwork women respond with we can hear you just fine from down there the lady <laughs> took this land away from the gods the boars and the beasts and now that it's worth something you want it well you won't get it and then the messenger replies right he's like you present impudence you ladies need to be taught some respect and immediately <laughs> when i you know after that the ironwork women responded with respect what's that we haven't had any respect <laughs> since the day we were born and then they blow some raspberries Bay. right and then the <laughs> iron <Rick> women <laughs> after that <laughs> respond with well you want some of our iron well here you go and then they shoot fire at the messengers with the um, you know the guns that they made and they just laugh at, they just laugh at them
0: and so yeah. just
2: seeing this, of course, it definitely pokes fun at um, men that, you know, look at women and want them to, you know, abide and conform to this, uh, to femininity, right? Um, women are oftentimes, you know, told to be sensitive and obeying, you know.
0: Uh, it's not even like femininity and... they're conforming to, like, a, just like the I pa- guess that's the patriarchal, norm. It's, yeah. the established norm, right? this patriarchal culture society we live in
2: yeah and it's exactly and it's like a norm that's definitely imposed no
0: i think that scene in um the one where ashitaka actually uh he tries you know he to do the work yeah he does the work and he's very like uh you know he's not like trying to be like oh yeah you know this is nothing even though like even though like whatever of his own capabilities he's he is very efficient at it he's very strong like we saw like Mm -hmm. he he lists all of them but like even then like he still understands like how hard and like respectable their labor is
2: right yeah and i think that's another uh just going back to your question kind of you know ashitaka like doesn't disregard them at all Mm -hmm. it's very much like yeah like you know this is the work that they do or this is the You know, level authority and respect they have from others around them. And he doesn't disrespect that at all. He keeps Mm -hmm. it as it is and talks to them regarding, you know, what's going on with him and kind of keeps it going. Um, And that's kind of how we get to see a little bit and a little bit, you know, a point of view of his, but also uh, a little bit of what these characters are kind of doing within their own uh, lives. And so, well,
1: yeah. (laughs) I think once you get past the San and Ashitaka love story then you really begin to appreciate the very strong woman in -hmm. this movie yeah you know which i think is kind of the case in a lot of ghibli films like you have to get through your first viewing and then upon the second and third you really start to get into the nitty gritty of
0: absolutely what was trying
1: to be told same thing
0: too i think you understand the boshi more or respect her, or like her more from more viewings
1: Oh, de- definitely. Yeah. At least, because at least,
0: at least here in the West is, or especially the U.S., it's always like such a blind side of like nature. Always, even though it's not very reflective of, I guess how it actually is. But right, case like you always be like, oh, these fucking humans, you know. Mm-hmm. And then someone will be like, oh, I wish all humans would die. Like, you know, we're destroying the planet. It's like, you yeah. see, they're eco fascist <laughs> there's, there's a lot of layers to this. And it's like while yes Iboshi is destroying the forest there's a, a duality to it because she's giving society's poorest most disrespected in addition to women too is yeah. uh um, people with disabilities and illnesses and sicknesses who normally wouldn't be able to find work or even be alone respected or housed properly or not even probably generous housed generously the little garden outside and they and they have what they want and they need and their like basic needs are met like this is Iboshi as a leader and sure sure she is not um without her flaws obviously but if you're so quick to reduce her and be on the side of just like San and Moro even then you're wrong because we know I feel like in a way we know Moro's not absolutely right through her death i guess kind of sort of but even too because at the end san has that middle resolve and she's in she's in the part she's like i can't forgive the humans which is fine but she understands like right. she's not going to kill them anymore like she gets it like yeah. she gets it more
2: yeah all the characters yeah. kind of come to that understanding right where it's uh, lady boshi realizes mm. that yeah her exploiting and for the resources at the level that she was doing wasn't right, and that's not the way she felt like they would all live in peace anyway. Even it's a, you know it's yeah. a, sorry, sorry, you can you can finish. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean yeah, that's all. I guess that's all <laughs> I kinda of wanted to add on to saying like you know, like kind of I just, just want to say like it's
0: it's good too because you know that's kind of how it is in the real world, like Yeah people can make mistakes people are redeemable they can be rehabilitated they can unlearn you know the wrongs that they do and they can still do good like both good that is both intangible and tangible like mm-hmm. both, she like we will rebuild iron town and we'll do things better like like that's good that's what you want like yeah. I I I watched some video essay, not the ones you were watching on stream the other day. Those crappy where ones. Someone, where someone where someone was quick to reduce Ebo, she'd be like, "Oh, she's a human. I know she says she'll build Iron Town better, but like, you know, she's probably gonna go back to the same thing." It's like, you don't like you're reaching there. You're reaching there. There's no mm-hmm. there's no pool. You know, there's no pool for that. Like people, there's can, no
1: reason to be so quick. To... Yeah, to be quick.
0: <laughs> there's no reason right. to be so quick to like cynicism or cynical because it's like people can learn and be better. Like that's that's what you want. Like, you should mm-hmm. be pushing for that. You should be like, oh, look at Miyazaki having Iboshi sort of unlearn or at least realize and grow and then be better. Like, that's what how you want everyone to be. Like, no one's going to be born perfect. No one's going to be perfect their whole lives. But you like to see that people can grow and change and be good.
2: Yeah, we kind of see that also with Ashutaka's character now because at the end, he also says, I'm going to go – also to stay close to San, right? He kind of goes, I'm going to go with Lady Voshi to rebuild this. And at first you would probably assume, right? Like, oh, yeah, like maybe he's going to keep going with his Red Elk and who knows, do whatever. But <laughs> and go with San or something. But I, I kind I of always together.
0: felt that for him because even the romance and I guess in, I don't know how it is. In, I don't remember how it is intensely in the sub, but in the dub. The romance Mm -hmm. between Ashitaka and Son did not seem like a front runner for the plot, you know? Oh,
1: definitely not. Oh, no. Which
0: Mm -hmm. is nice, which is extremely Mm -hmm. refreshing. It's nice to have like a little bit the romance be the back burner,
1: Mm -hmm. but still
0: there. But definitely not the forefront. Or at least love, but not so quick to just be reduced to like a sexual love. Very true. Mm -hmm. Like the love between, excuse me, love between Ashitaka and Son This definitely not feel just like a a quick uh, romantic sexual plot you know
2: very true yeah in Which
0: some ways nice. it, in some ways i related to that like even for like the love you have for like a friend or something like mm-hmm. it's just like just the intensity of it rather than what it is because we don't you know there's not a kiss there's not a, you know what i mean like besides like the the baby bird feeding however you (laughs) however you take that and honestly if if that's romantic to you then you know it's romantic to you but I think the furthest they get to that is just the initial like you're beautiful and like (gasps) she's taken aback but then besides that it doesn't really yeah doesn't really descend to that level to the depths of romanticism further Mm -hmm. which I thought was refreshing
2: I think that's probably one of my, like my also favorite scenes where she, Ashitaka uh, calls her beautiful, she's like, um, anyway, she's <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, oh she has goodness. like a
0: mini panic attack, and she's like,
2: back to what I was doing. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Back to this knife
1: <laughs> to your throat. If it wasn't
0: right. for the if it weren't for the apes throwing the rocks, she about to, <laughs> give us the human. They about to eat them. Rise of the Planet of the Apes third subplot. Whatever oh. happened to the apes? We don't know. That's yeah, what we'll the sequel is going to be about. So then, my next question for you guys is, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: Wendy, I yes. know, don't act like this is all you have to say. You have what I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm acting. not gonna pull it out of you. You have seven pages.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do. But
0: let me just say, so my question, which is almost like the Something ultimate, <laughs> ultimate question for you guys, to just say whatever and then continue talking, and I'll go yeah. back to being silent again. So, what do you think of like? Not trying to give myself credit, but like what do you think of this lens that I had a, at least initially introduced, or at least the inklings of you know the little bit? Like what do you think of this overall? Like why we're doing this, this idea or lens of femininity, womanhood, womanness in this movie, if that makes sense? Do you get what I'm saying? Like what is, what is your like? How do you ultimately feel about this thing that we thought of?
2: I mean, I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> uh, you. Again, I've only watched this, um, not again, but like I've watched this movie quite a few times already. Um, We've all kind of talked about this before, but even before we started this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, I watched a dub and the sub and as much, you know, as much as I enjoyed both of them, um, there are certain things that I hadn't noticed. And I was like, wait, hold on, Luke, let me go back on that. (laughs) Let me rewatch this right now, because I, there are certain things, again, it's mm-hmm. what, almost a two-hour film, right? Details in there that I hadn't thought of, right? I was like, wait, maybe, hold on. I want to look at this, see this myself. Um, keep what you just mentioned right now. Uh, obviously, we said in our group chat, mm-hmm. in mind, and I'll rewatch it and see it for myself. Um, and that's when I was like, wait, maybe, you know what? Maybe Lady she really isn't that bad. <laughs> um, it really made me think about it and kind of... Uh, I Guess, take away that bias, kind of like you know, oh my god, no, but like, why would we destroy nature and whatnot? But it's like, no, mm-hmm. hold on, <laughs> what she's doing is she's really actually just trying to also help the society and the people, um, that were being excluded from the site they were living in, and so it really made me kind of think in detail, um, with the sub, I mean, the dub version because that's the one I ultimately end up looking watching again, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely gave me a lot to think about. Um, Moro as well, San. I think just one character as well that I at first was like, oh, she can be a little annoying, but then I was like, wait, she's also a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she has such a great influence. One that she wants to protect her mother, protect the forest, and um, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I think I was very glad that you brought it up. Because I think, especially with Ghibli films, it's very easy to get lost in
0: the wondrous <laughs> world, the world building, the shots alone. Well, like...
1: the, that, but also the very, <laughs> I think, like superficial notions of the films. Yeah. Because mm. I'm going to be real honest with you, right?
0: Let it go. Give me this. And give me this no heart... hate
1: to this film. Mm-hmm. i think i know what you're gonna say the only thing i hear about Hal's moving castle is how much people love christian bale and that's it oh
2: if i have never
1: and if i hadn't seen the movie when we were all like in the in the beginning days of quarantine when we were all watching them through zoom Mm -hmm. i wouldn't know what that movie was about cuz all they do is talk about <laughs> Christian Bale. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just now granted since you mentioned this after my first time watching it, it's quite literally the only lens that I've watched the movie through since then. Oh wow. Um which is completely fine. I mean, it's a very yeah, carefully nuanced way to watch the movie, but yeah, I w- I was very glad that you brought it up because um i i just like <laughs> very carefully detailed conversations about media and i feel like um unless you're watching a very well put together video essay <laughs> on youtube uh, you kind of don't really get that with ghibli content if i'm being completely honest
0: and so. i know the other day we watched a bunch of prince mononoke okay essays
1: yeah i'm not um, referring to, i'm mainly referring to like and, the few beyond ghibli ones that we watched
0: and like the non yeah. non-beyond ghibli and even then i don't think he has one strictly uh, his, his princess Mono his ghibli one is like especially the princess monoke heavy one is is his thesis is it has to do with zelda the cross yeah. right there but the other ones we watched that was just about princess monoke we watched a few none of them really seem to like acknowledge this which i would say that we endorse this lens or like it's not something like underlining but like this subtle yet you know this silent but like immense theme of this movie just being like a, a movie about women not because anything that is done is inherently womanly but because it's mm-hmm. women are all the key actors and players yeah and storytellers yeah. which i think it's it's like after having watched it again and so many times coming, that it's almost, it seems almost absurd now to see. Like, how do people not acknowledge this at least?
1: Yeah. I think people go into Ghibli films with very, very particular mon- mindsets. Mm. You know, I know a lot of people who watch Ghibli films simply for comfort and as an escape. Not saying that you can't have nuanced One, opinions yeah, exactly. while those being your comfort movies, but not everyone watches things with their brains turned on. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and I feel like if there's any subset of movies where people watch things purely just for comfort and entertainment, it's going to be good we films.
2: So <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're so I well made. Like that's true. this one that's Monroe no King. surprise. Yeah. Really,
0: yeah. Really <laughs> the, like is the best, you know, everyone knows it's the creme de la crop or however it goes.
2: Mm-hmm. And I feel also just this particular film, if you want to get a little bit more uh, critical, right, with the production of it and kind of the designs of each character, um, the colors that just Studio Ghibli in general uses. There's a lot of greens, a lot of blues, very much so. And then it's particularly with Pins and OK, a lot of red. Yeah. Um, and you know, like the
0: purplish red of the i almost yes. called it malice <laughs> <Of> the, <laughs> Where i was like of the, the malice demon, the demon of
2: the <laughs> i said malice earlier thinking the about hatred. the wild in my mind i'm like uh, right. <laughs> i wish i wish
1: there so i haven't gone through ghibli's entire filmography,
0: right mm-hmm.
1: but <laughs> is this the grittiest film out of all of them i would assume so right
0: um i'd say it's the grittiest action flick but grave of the fireflies is gritty in a different yes. way yes, yeah grave of the fireflies
2: okay. is intense mm-hmm. it's
0: intense but not in the way where it's like an action flick yeah it's just very intense because it's depressing <laughs> and very
2: much kind of inspired from real events so i think they're all my most but that's particularly more like with history and kind of world war Two.
0: yeah um, so gritty Japan. in a depressing sense not gritty in an action sense at least
2: yeah Cause I love the
1: color palette of this film.
0: Yeah, so many the, scenes just the sound design of when people get their head shot off. That like, oh yeah,
2: yes.
0: <laughs> it's such a gruesome yet very pleasing detail they added because mm-hmm. it's a, it's such a satisfying thunk. Thunk. Damn, it's, but it's so oof. Yeah, Princess Mononoke is a bit gritty. It's been it's been kind of like desensitized for me for how many times I've watched it, but yeah.
1: I was and really I guess, surprised yeah. that first time I watched it with you guys.
0: That's a, it's that's such a good that's like the hook. Even though it's like a, a bit well into the movie, that definitely, like you're not going to leave for the bathroom after that.
2: No, no.
0: You're like, okay, he just shot this guy's head <laughs> off. What's What's going on?
2: Also, I think, again, oh. go ahead (laughs) no but i was gonna say like again kind of going to that like there's so much detail you can't get like there's if you blink you'll probably miss something um it's just the art itself no um the way they're the characters are just the way the story progresses and everything i think even if you leave your seat for one second you'll miss something and you'll be like oh oops anyway why are they why why is everyone running away like what happened like it's just one of those moments you know one of those films that every single moment counts um and adds to is like adventure journey but yeah
0: okay the last thing i'll say before <laughs> i get quiet again and then i let you guys continue until the end
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean i'll still be here i might like be like I'm mm-hmm, like a little huh so you guys yeah. the audience knows <laughs> i'm still here don't worry i'm not making coffee Okay. i guess is like and it's not even like a question it's more statement whatever it's like after realizing this you know there's still there is still such a a large outcry for you know women womanly feminine pr- representation in hollywood and film that i think like not it's like i hate to be like sound like tooting my own horn because i i don't think i like okay yes i introduced this thing but i don't think i invented it like you know what I mean you know what I'm trying to say I just don't want to seem of myself when I say like it almost seems like crucial like to not think about it this way and how like not like oh it's so monumental it's so woke progressive out because it's not trying to be woke like it's it's right it's just a good you know women representation movie I, I don't even know how to word it do you get what I'm saying like
1: it's like I get what you mean
0: I think it's a good, it's a cru- crucial lens to look at it in because I feel like you're kind of undermining some of the, you know, a big point of the movie, which is not, I don't see often talked about at all in the limited research I've done. And I could be wrong, but...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, the same things I always see is the the quick side, you know, quick audience quickly siding with the humans and like, that's it. And, you know, the, the vilification of the... Iboshi all the way to the from beginning to end, and it's and swooning
1: over San and Ashitaka.
0: Yeah, that's kind of it's, like you always see the gifs or the screenshots, and it's like this is like such a like, minor part it. of the movie. Like <laughs> this is such a minor part of the movie, and you're making it seem like you're making it seem like they fucked. <laughs> oh my god! There wasn't even like that Disney version where someone sings a song with each other, no. to re- to and then it fades that. to black. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even that. So that's all I wanted to say. I think it's crucial. I think it's good to talk about it. I don't. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but Prince Mono is a movie about women. Think about it. Talk about it. This is really cool. And then now, okay, you guys go on. Wendy, you have all your notes to sift through. Take your time, whatever. And oh, yeah. you and you and you and Andrew are gonna run this wherever you wanna run it. I'm here. I got my seatbelt strapped in. I'm okay. I'm ready to go. Hey <laughs> yo. All right, oh, go go. Okay. Muted my oh mic. my goodness.
2: <laughs> Yo, Ange, I, I have to I have to I have to mention something. Yeah. Remember when we were talking about attires?
1: Like the, yeah, the fashion in the, the show.
2: Right. I think you know. It's it's amazing how, um, we were both talking how Lady Boshi's um, attire kind of she's wearing I think a, a kama, right, which is like a male kimono right, right. Um, and. The fact that she like is wearing just that <laughs> in a village, and she's the one taking charge of this of Iron Town, you no, know, um, just says a lot about her character herself. Um, everyone that that lives there speaks so highly of her, mm-hmm. um, and even when Achitaka kind of gets there, they they bring her up, right? Like you see, um, I think it's when she brings in Toki's husband <laughs> who's crying. Yeah, um, I forget his another name. Person yeah <laughs> i forgot his name but he's crying and the first thing we see is um lady boshi standing up uh, but by, right by the entrance of iron town right um and even that angle itself we know that she's the one that is in control here um yeah and... with
1: fucking draken right next to her
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fact that toki shuts him up um she's like you know what uh, i think i have the the quote here of um Toki kind of (laughs) telling him like yo (laughs) get back to work like stop talking to me um and you know kind of one-upping yourself when you have a lot of work to do um but yeah like the colors and uh that Lady Boshi is wearing um even when she goes on into battle the hat the what is it like a what they had mentioned what is it, like little warrior, it's like a warrior hat, like something like particular that the leaders wear um, when they go out uh, for battle. Okay. She's the only one that wears it, right? And it's red. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was, you know, looking at this, kind of observing, I realized that the people that, well, the women that have, that hold this, you know, authority or power in the movie, all have some sort of red on them. San has her red markings.
0: Mm-hmm. Lady
2: Boshi has her red kimono, or her hakama. Um, the wise woman has uh, some red, pink, and yellow um, along with her blue necklace that stands out. Um, and then we have Toki who has a red kimono on. Um, and all of these four women have the, this particular color on. And when I was looking at, you know, kind of how color is used to invoke uh, some sort of symbolism, uh, red is oftentimes um, used to, denote you know, passion, danger, or power. And we kind of see that with these characters. See all three right? of those. <laughs> yeah, it's all three of yeah. them. And that's kind of what we see with uh, Lady Bull. Thing is also the only character that wears lipstick, a red lipstick. Um, so anything mm. that she says, everyone follows. No, everyone, everything that is done there, everyone respects. Um, that's a nice line. So, yeah, and like the women in her, um, in the village also, you know, everything that Lady Boshi has taught them, that's what they know. And they don't let any man kind of tell them what to do. They protect themselves. Oh, Why? Because do not Lady get Boshi. me started
1: on um, Lady <laughs> Boshi and the Irontown Woman. I will not shut up about their relationship.
2: Please. It's so good. <laughs> it it is. It really is. And I think that's it, you know, we'll obviously talk more about how like that those particular scenes stand out so much. And I have a quote in here. Um but yeah, like, again, color in this one. Um, mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Um, even Moro, while I think she has, what, red eyes? If I'm correct. Could be wrong. But...
1: Well, Moro also has a wound from the first... Well, she
2: gets a wound
1: after the first scene that we see her in, which has yeah. blood and is red as well. So... Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, again, she's also... Moro's another very important figure um, that everyone in the forest respects as well, right? The um, the god. Even the boars themselves, kind of, while they may not <laughs> necessarily respect each other's territories, there's still some sort of... There's still a level of respect that they have for Moro, Moro and San.
1: I um, found it pretty hard to connect with Moro throughout all of my watchings of the mm-hmm. film. I'm not going to lie, but I think... I don't really know why. I think I just need to watch the movie a little bit more.
2: I think with Moro, I just immediately, with both the dub and the sub, the dub, I just took her more as a mother figure. Um, And just, I guess, motherhood itself that exists here in this film. Um, Moro, the, the one scene that stands out to me is where Ashitaka starts talking to Moro about taking San with him to live with the humans and to live And that he'll take care of her. Um, Whatever happens, that that's who she will, who he will (laughs) care for. Um, Moro kind of just tells her, tells him that, no, she's, that's her daughter. And she won't be going anywhere. Um, Because why would he, a human, be so selfish? And Moro says says it herself, like, you think like a human. You don't, you only think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and moral immediately there, I was like, yeah, I feel like, even though they guess what, she's a goddess, she's a god, a wolf god, but also a mom, and she's like, no, that's my child, mm-hmm. you're not taking my kid, <laughs> um, and from there, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe as a parent, you see your kid growing up and. Sang got abandoned by her parents so I think their Moro was like listen why do I want to have another human <laughs> you know possibly end up abandoning my kid later on um, so that's immediately what I kind of took on from Moro um, but yeah that's, uh, I mean I can go into
1: my extremely long dissertation on <laughs>
2: motherhood in the film yeah, by all means. I want to hear what you got to say.
1: Alright. Um, so I kind of broke this up into three main sections, right? Mm-hmm. I have the first one being the motherhood that is obviously displayed between Moro and Son, mm-hmm. Right? And I kind yeah. of described it as a very active, innately Ferocious kind of love for each other, which okay. you know is obviously partly due to their wolf like connection, but also <laughs> the very sheer protectiveness that they have over each other. Right, because after after Moro gets wounded, we see San trying to like suck out the tainted blood from Moro's side, uh, which mm-hmm. you know that's the first time that Ashitaka sees them. Um. And also Moro expends most of her remaining energy at the end of the film, saving and protecting San, as mm-hmm. opposed to killing Lee Boshi like she originally intended to. Um, and like you said, San is very inherently protective of Moro, not only because Moro took her in as a child, but also because I think Moro is the primary being that kind of allows San to disconnect from her human side right Be- yes. it, because it's because of Moro that San is really able to hate humans and her own humanity because mm-hmm. Moro was so willing to accept San as a daughter and a member of the wolf clan you know so this creates this even further separation between San and her humanity which is ultimately what San wants whether or not that's good or bad is neither here nor there right <laughs> but that's yeah. just what it is um but yeah i think their motherhood like, their version of motherhood is very blatant. My personal favorite, right, mm-hmm. is the pseudo-motherhood mother motherhood that is shown between Lady Boshi and the woman of Irontown, right? Ooh, yes. So...
2: And what about, like, that?
1: Right, so the way that I thought about it was... It's a very unique relationship between Lady Iboshi and these women, right? Mm, okay. um, because I think this is a more telling expression of passive love and motherhood, mm-hmm. right? Because with Moron San, we see like tangible actions in real time that constitutes the bond between the two of them, right? Like we actively see San sucking out the blood from moro we see moro trying to save san at the end of the movie right like those are things that we see actually in real time in the film
2: yeah
1: but with the case of lady eboshi in the lumen Iron irontown most of her acts that would be considered motherly have been done before we as the viewer are introduced to this world right Interesting. which are her liberating them from the brothels. Um, providing them with work like stable work and food and allowing them to conduct themselves however which way they would like to especially in relation to the men in Irontown right so these are things that have been long established way before we see them Mm -hmm. so instead of this very intense act of love we see between Moro and San in this case we are introduced to what benefits can arise from a motherly love. Mm-hmm. So one of the main benefits, I think, from Lady Boshi's protectiveness of the Irontown woman is their safety, obviously. Um, yeah. Not not only does she provide them weapons, but we learn that she saved them from brothels. Like, they were prostitutes before they were brought to Irontown, yeah. right? Yeah. So now they have, in Irontown, you know, they're working, what is it, like four-day shifts, right? Um, yeah, they're-, they're working like super long shifts and their labor is, it's so valuable for the existence of Irontown that it's allowed them to restore some agency to themselves that might have been lost during their time during prostitution. You know? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I think this is very much highlighted when, you know, Ashitaka's in the forest and he's running after Iboshi and he's like pleading with her to return back to Irontown because Lord Asano's samurai are there and they're attacking Irontown and he's worried about the women in the town and everyone in town. And Mm Iboshi's like, no, we're not going back. And I think it's very easy for people to see this, especially with how much people love to villainize Eboshi in the film. Right. Mm -hmm. And they can see this as Eboshi just blatantly refusing to care about what's left of Irontown because she's in the forest. She wants to kill the spirit, blah, 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 blah. But the way that, the way that I looked at it and what I got out of it was she believes that she has given them all of the tools and resources that she could in order, in order for them to thrive and survive the best way that they could. And yes. she fully trusts in their abilities to defend themselves in the rest of Iron Town. And that blind trust and commitment that they have, like, really showcases the bond between them. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I also have a quote here directly from the movie from Mm -hmm. before Lady Eboshi heads out into the uh, forest to kill the forest god. Um, The ironwork women were worried about her safety. I don't know if you remember that particular scene where they're there. Uh, The ironwork women say, milady, at least let one of us go with you. You can't trust these men. They're strangers. What if something goes wrong and we're stuck here? We can't help you. You said yourself, we are better shots than the men are. Um, There, I guess there, we can kind of see what lady boshi has taught and has helped you know encourage them uh right and you know we we've we've obviously seen these iron town women
1: after they've been liberated i guess right and that's Mm -hmm. not to say that especially in a modern setting that's not to say that women in sex work are not liberated in their own right right that's not what i'm saying but i think within the context of the movie it is implied that the women of Irontown were involved in prostitution because they did not want to be there, right? (laughs) So that's that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about um, people involved in sex work because they genuinely want to be, which is, of course, great as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, I think because we see the women of Irontown so confident and sure of themselves and their own abilities. We may not be able to really tell what they were like beforehand. Right. But yeah. I think it's heavily implied that Iboshi like truly cares for these women. And also I think in that video I sent you about the, the fashion. Oh, yes. For what Iboshi wears. Um, Maybe we could put it in the notes for the, for the Spotify thing. But um, yeah, there was something about the clothes that Iboshi wears that implies that she herself, um, in her past, might have also been involved in prostitution, and that's why she has such a strong connection with connection. the women that she brings to town.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that too in the video that you sent. Yeah, I was like, whoa, like you know, it, it would make sense right mm-hmm. like how they're all she particularly wanted to i guess bring them in into this new like village or society that she's trying to build right um but also i guess just taking into you know how you view lady boshi and motherhood um i also partially kind of take it in as well as like sisterhood um, yeah very with, true. Like, as an older sister an older sibling that you know they're you look up to them and you want to you know, you take whatever you, you can from them, whatever they do. You're like, you know, I really like what they do. Um, or, you know, you see something that maybe you may not necessarily gear yourself towards to and you're like, you know, I maybe may not do that, but I'll definitely take that into thought. And everything that she does, it's like, and says, it's like, hey, it's kind of like, you know, I've lived through this, but let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about <laughs> how I myself don't necessarily, you know, need the men to protect me. Because I can do this myself and I have you right very sure um and so I feel like also I definitely also see the you know the view of you know motherhood and the ironwork uh iron town women um, because yeah I mean I'm mean, just remembering the scene that you just that you mentioned as well um which one the one where she's uh where I think well, who was it Ashitaka tells tells her that the women right now in the Irontown right town right. are on the fire um yeah like,
1: yeah, because I remember I was talking to someone recently about that scene in particular, and they were like, I can't believe Lady Eboshi just left her people to die' And I'm like, dude, you need to relax. <laughs> 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 like if you like you cannot see everything that Iboshi has done for the people of Irontown and and walk away with that impression and feel like it makes sense in my opinion yeah. at least so
2: also like i you know i'm looking back at this one quote that i also have that lady Ibo, she mentions to ashitaka when they're up on the when she's shooting at the apes with the um new guns that the uh, um one of the uh lepers that we're, we're making mm-hmm. um that she was testing out she tells ashitaka i can i can deal with the forest gods it's humans i'm worried about once the forest spirit is dead, will Jigo be satisfied with the creature's head? Or will he be after my ironworks as well? Um, mm-hmm. Remember, you can't trust men. Um, there's also her being worried about, you know, the ironworks, where the people that she's housing and giving jobs to um, would, could be under, you know, could be under a big threat if she doesn't do this, right? 100%. Because um, their entire livelihood be... is
1: based off of their ability to produce iron. So
2: Exactly. So, you know, if that's taken away, where would she take everyone else? Like, what would she do Um, as much as she may be able to, you know, try to bring the people that she's going to the forest with, you know, yeah, she also, you know, trusts the women there, but it's also like, you know, you can't necessarily blame her (laughs) for, you know, trusting them. Like that, that's, I think that's a big one, right? It's like, yeah, she trusts the, the people that she's housing and, um, she knows that they will be able to care for themselves. She's taught them enough where they know that they have all the necessary tools um, to protect themselves. So, um, Yeah, again, a big figure. <laughs> hey, yo, Luke, how you doing over there?
0: I'm just listening. Shut up. I'm, well, I'm just me. saying, like, oh, if you got talk. any
1: questions, any comments, like, just, you know. No,
0: no, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Mm. The only thing a comment has, I think, the women worked at the brothel prior to iron town because of their socioeconomic situation right right Mm -hmm. i think that's what because i know you like fumbled the words a little bit there and let's just (laughs) clarify here sex work is real work yes
2: it is yes it
0: is all right continue
2: um what was i gonna say (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um yeah like i guess there was something um, that when I was watching the film, by the way, we're still on the topic of motherhood um, before we move on. You know, again, the scene where Moro and Ashutaka talk, were talking on the cliff. You know, <laughs> Wendy's favorite scene. <laughs> this literally, yeah, it's the one scene that I just. You're always again, going back I, to. I always go back to. Um, like, I don't know. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Um, when I watched this part right um, we know Moral scolds him and I guess for some viewers it's like ugh like yeah like you know why can't he just take her like you know again going back to the love story people that you know just want to see romance in a movie happen it's like uh, it was you know let's calm down a little let's backtrack a little bit (laughs) Um, it you know you got to remember that Moro is San's mother. Um, San was abandoned by her parents in the forest, and Moro adopted her as her own kid. Um, and then when I analyzed this interaction a little bit further, I just wanted to kind of connect the socio feminist lens to it, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, femininity and motherhood and the expectations of that, right? Um, if Moro wasn't a god or a wolf and was a human, you know, immediately you remember the parents and you're like, gosh, what bad parents? They dropped their kid and leave them with these like pack of woods. Um, right. And now Moro like took her in and now she's a good mother. So what is, you know, what is a good mother? Or what is a what, what does being a good mother mean to you? And so in the societal norm of motherhood is someone who is nurturing and caring for their child. Something that Sans' like, parents weren't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if a mother does not adhere to these, right, to these norms, or these, um, she's deemed as a bad mom immediately. And I think that's a big one, right? Where it's like dads are disregarded, whatever, it's always the mom. <laughs> and so, however, however uh, Morrow doesn't just blame one parent, she blames both parents. She's like, I can't believe that they got scared because of, you know, the wolves, you know, maybe I would get scared, but I wouldn't forget (laughs) my kid, you know, (laughs) but she's saying like, you know, they left their kid behind and they just dipped like they love. And so this, obviously we know they were scared, (laughs) but as for like femininity um, again, it's oftentimes expected for women to be the responsible uh, caretakers the submissive docile and nurturing um, these norms are not necessarily applied tomorrow and neither I don't think that should affect right the views of what a mother should be because moms do everything I think any parent obviously does their best um, to care for their kid <laughs> but um, particularly with Moro, kind of looking at at it here um, we know that neither Moro or any of the other female characters adhere to this specific norm. Um, and when Moro takes on this role of being a mother and provides son with a home and security, I guess I myself, and I don't know about you guys, immediately you're like, yeah, that's, that's a good mom. That's a good parent. Um, that's what I guess any parent would do with their kid, right? Yeah, but-
1: I don't think I ever questioned the relationship between... Moro and San. Like, okay. it never it never occurred to me to critique the way that uh, that Moro mm-hmm. chose to raise San. Um, because even like, you can make the argument that San's complete rejection of her humanity is disingenuous to what she actually is, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, she starts out the film that way and she kind of, she kind of ends the film that way too. So like, yeah. it, it stays the same no matter what. So it doesn't really matter.
2: Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess I have a question for you. Um, you know, being that she, San hates humans so much, right? Like, would it have made a, you know, even a difference of, let's say, I don't know. Maybe I'm going into deep, <laughs> like a reach, but <laughs> okay. it definitely is. But like, You know, what if there was this ability where would could morph into being a human, right? Even though they hate humans so much, where it's like, would there still be that kind of connection or that kind of, I guess, approach to her being a mom? Like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I think that change anything? I don't know. Well,
1: it definitely would change, I think, the perception that San has of other humans. Right? Mm -hmm. That they're all bad, they're all destroying the forest, blah 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 blah. Because if Moro had the ability to also shift into human, then Mm -hmm. San would know a good human, whereas right now she's under the impression that she doesn't know any good ones until she meets Ashitaka. Right.
0: So wait, I have, now I have a question about that. When the you no. it was you were saying like, what would change if she could change into human form or something? Yeah,
2: like if she has that ability to you know morph like go in and out like you know human. God. What do
0: you think would be the what do I the think? difference? Yeah
2: are you
1: asking in relation to their in relation to her mother
0: relationship
2: to- yeah yeah um, i
0: guess well i you know, don't think me- actually i don't think much would change sorry to butt in no it's fine
2: no, i don't think just I don't
0: because think- i think san knows she's human in form she's but human she, herself. she knows she knows she's human but she rejects it it's her saying she's wolf is not her looking at her hands and seeing pauses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the inside things. So I don't know if <laughs> mm-hmm. much would change. Mm. The only thing I could see imagining for a forum is like maybe instead of San and Iboshi meeting, it would have been Moro and Iboshi clashing in Iron Town. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't.
1: I don't think it really changes much if I'm
2: being yeah. complete, because yeah. I don't
1: because I think. San's rejection of her humanity comes a lot from her time spent with Moro and the other wolves. And Mm -hmm. I don't think Moro's dislike for humans would change even if she was one. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, where San gets it from still wouldn't change. So, her opinions about humanity would still kind of be the same, I think. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I just I was just like thinking like hmm imagine Moro just changes out in and out it's like yo.
1: <laughs> it would have been cool, but yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would have been cool. I like I said, Moro, out of these 3, Moro was the one that I found pretty hard to connect to. And I mm. I, th- I think that was probably because after the first time that you meet Moro and she gets shot, especially after learning what the bullet does to the bore right in the very beginning of the movie. Yes. You know that Moro's not going to be around for, um mm-hmm. at least until the end. So I feel like learning that at right as soon as you meet Moro made it a little bit difficult for me to pay a lot of attention think... to her. Oh, sorry. No, I'm done. Go
0: ahead. I was going to say I think Moro's actually rather compelling, but where it's not so easily um, like appreciated is because the compellingness more brings is contemplating her death and remaining stoic and still not like not letting herself be turned right but since since that's not an active thing it's something that happens passively it's not as readily able to be appreciated if right that makes sense. i
1: think because Moro's presence is incredibly strong Right? Mm -hmm. Like, whenever Moro is around, I am always aware of the fact that she is there.
0: Like, we don't Mm -hmm. get a scene with her internal struggle, except for her talk with Ashitak on the rock, which is, like, you know, it's such a banger scene. It's like, okay, what if we had more of that? Right. Moro of that, if you will. Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I think that's why that scene really sticks with me. Because it's the most out of Moro that we get. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, no, like, moro's presence and again i think it just says a lot because she's also the wolf god (laughs) right Um, like right you know but god
0: god definitely has a different meaning in this context it's not like the monotheistic Mm all-powerful god of like the west it's It's definitely definitely much more um there's a much closer reach to their divinity than there than there would be in the singular monotheistic god. You know, like they don't mm-hmm. feel as distant. Yeah. But still very powerful.
2: Very. Mm-hmm. but I'm Trying to see.
0: What do you think? Do you guys have? Do you guys have any more? Do you?
1: I know Wendy's got a shit ton of notes. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like my my whole spiel on motherhood is kind of done. I had like a little I had like a little like cute thing with like Ooh. the kodama and the tree. You
0: want to talk about <laughs> Wait,
2: it? I really love that that we are and going to mention okay, next. Okay, okay. So this will this I...
0: will
1: round out my convo on um yes, right. motherhood. So when Ashitaka first comes in contact with the kodama, the little the little spirits of the forest, He notices that they're all congregating um, around this very, very large old tree. Right. And in response to this, Mm -hmm. I think he's talking to Toki's husband. I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Um, And Ashitaka states, that must be their mother, a fine old tree. And it's a very simple line, but I think this maternal reference to the tree serves a bigger purpose of highlighting... Uh, the inherent femininity that has always been tied to nature, mm-hmm. right? I think, um, I think this is largely connected to Moro and San being very prominent figures in the forest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think this was where I, I drew one of my Breath of the Wild connections to. Um, wait, oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I got mixed up in my notes. (laughs) Um, Because in relation to this, like, Iboshi representing industrialism a little bit, right, Mm
2: -hmm. is a
1: very nice contrast to this nature equals femininity discourse that's so popular because she's kind of breaking the tradition. Right. And this reminded me of Zelda from Breath of the Wild um, because she didn't want to stick to just learning how to harness her powers and she instead wanted to spend a lot more time researching which could also be seen as breaking the trend because I guess her power Zelda's powers can be kind of loosely linked to nature and femininity in that way at least in my mind so but yeah I I, I just like um, the, little, the little line that Ashitaka
2: says about the tree that the Kodama are gathering around i think it's very cute yeah when you mentioned this I've, i think we i think i was re-watching it we were re- re-watching it together yeah um yeah and you you brought it up and i was like wait oh my goodness i'm like you know this i see i see what you mean now like i again i just know that they're walking before forest, the cute little kotamas that i love when yeah, they're on the little tree
0: the music oh, too like,
2: the yes everything do, oh my do, god do, phenomenal do, do, do. Yeah, but it's just one of those things, and I was like, Yo, and I hadn't thought of this before. Yeah. Big, big, juicy brains. Oh, oh my god, right. Hello? <laughs> but you know, again, one of the I guess other things that I want to bring up, mm-hmm. um, is the when San and Lady Aboshi are fighting in Iron Town. Oh my god. And they're fighting with their swords and the daggers and that within Such itself is a good scene. Powerful. It's, it's so, so good. so, so good. Yeah, like hello, like, and this is where I was like, yo, it's two humans, right? Obviously one that hates humans and the other one that it's like, yo, we need, we need the iron. They're fighting against each other, right? Yeah. Um, and you don't see a princess fighting. Well, of course, you know, minus maybe one of the Disney movies. Which one was it? Um, 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 but anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> wait i forgot the name oh my goodness Tangled? no i don't think so but yeah she's part of it. but i don't, I don't know what movie it. you're thinking of i think uh I'm, i'll i'll remember later <laughs> but you know again you don't see i guess what the <laughs> the princesses that we know um here in the west um Fighting with their swords, <laughs> fighting with the, you know with anything like that, it's very much the prince or like they have soldiers on with them that can do that for them, right? Um, and again, I guess also just the <laughs> princess of the name itself kind of um, holds a very different meaning here. Um, but you know, essentially, I guess you could say they're both warriors. They're both um, they both hold such a significant leadership role. Um, in this particular scene where you can definitely see like one that the forest and the wolves respect very much with San and, uh, Lady Boshi, who Iron Town again, very much hold very highly and respect. Um, at this, again, it's one scene where I just, I just love looking at, and also the one where, uh, they have the, um, uh. The two uh, widows, <laughs> when she takes them to the fight, which I had not noticed for the, one of the other rewatches. I was like, wait a second. Those are the two widows. And they also have the little red hats. But everyone else has a little straw hat and everything. Like the men, the, the, the soldiers have their, their, the warriors have their um, straw hats. But Lady Boshi and the two widows from um, Irontown. Right. Which I think was very significant. And, you know, she has them by her side. Uh, and they're the ones helping her and guiding her, which typically, if you have like, you know, it's usually like a command leading the, uh, uh, you know, their warriors and they're to battle. Yeah, um, like dragon. Have... Mm-hmm, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I keep saying dragon because
1: the guy who is Iboshi's second in command. I was listening to him speak in the dub, and I'm like, I know where this voice. I know this voice and i looked it up and so the, it's the guy who voices Draken from kim possible so now every time i watch the movie i just i can't listen to him speak without laughing because... just
0: like how calcifer is mike wazowski
1: oh my god wait for real
0: <laughs> yeah huh yeah. wait who calcifer the little fire oh my god that's mike crazy. it's mike oh
2: i'm i can't i'm never wow just a green calcifer <laughs>
0: You know what, Ange? To sort of round out your point about your little Zelda synthesis, it does. I think you are right because Zelda's ceiling power is strictly matrilineal,
1: right? Strictly feminine.
0: So her breaking from that is sort of breaking from her feminine tradition, tradition. womanly tradition.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow, some good stuff. This was fun. Mm -hmm. You guys got more? You? How do you feel? Where are you feeling? Because no one's, you know.
1: Well, all of my oh. notes are done. I don't know mm-hmm. if Wendy is only on page two of her but, notes or what. Like,
0: is there more you want to say, though? Or you feel... You yeah, feel
2: and I feel like there's some things or, maybe you want to mention. Wendy, me? there's more
0: you want to say? Yeah. You guys I want okay, 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 to say. It's fine. You do fine. You know? Just asking.
2: I need to say something because uh-uh. I had crossed it out originally um, just because I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if it's too big, but I myself, it stuck out to me. Maybe it stuck out to someone else. Uh when Ashitaka gets his dagger from his sister in the dub version, but his fiance in the sub version, the Japanese version, um, it was given obviously, um, by a girl, or woman, right, to him, and then he hands it over to San, um, and I feel like obviously that had a very strong connection to Ashitaka, where it's like you know. It's something very meaningful, and then he gives it over to San, who with that also holds a very meaningful, you know, uh, meaning, meaningful meaning. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> a very strong meaning, a very strong meaning uh, to uh, to San, and just the fact that she's getting something that was, I guess, made from the um tool, a tool made from you know the earth and the forest, and kind of handing it over to her. And she keeps it around her ne- her neck, right? She's a little necklace and everything, which I think was really nice. Um, but also, kind of like the fact that it's a it was a little was it a little dagger, right? A little crystal, mm-hmm. it was a little crystal dagger, yeah. Um, kind of this human connection, right? Where you're gift, gifting something, and it kind of just um, stays, right? And she kind of just she just keeps it with her. She doesn't even reject it. She's like. Cool. Anyway, onto the fight. I gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really like that one. So.
1: Yeah, I think it's really nice too because Ashitaka can never go back to his home. Mm-hmm. Like, which first See, of this all, this is
0: true. This is a big point,
1: right? Yeah. So, him continuing the passing along of this artifact, I think is. Pretty full circle for him, Mm -hmm. even though you know him, it's implied that he and San are going to see each other in the future, right? Because he said that Mm -hmm. they'll always be able to, but um, I think it's a nice rounding out of Ashitaka's journey here.
0: I mean, what if they had to quarantine, right? They might not see (laughs) each other for a while.
1: I don't. I. I don't think COVID exists in the land of Princess Mononoke.
0: You're telling me if a demon exists, COVID can. <laughs> okay. Okay.
2: Our demons are <laughs> COVID.
0: Yeah, that's Jeez. true.
2: Yeah, that is true. But yeah, that's all I had to say. Damn. Um, yeah.
0: So are you guys all done?
2: Well,
1: yeah, I am.
0: And you done?
1: I am as well.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for doing this. Of course, it was course. really fun to have you guys, you know, do the heavy lifting. For and, once, and, and, and <laughs> Take, <laughs> taking the burden
1: off of your shoulders a little. bit. It's
0: never a burden. I think you guys, you guys got in your groove. You see, it's it's fun. It's fun when you have the most to say. You know, mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys even agreeing to do this and taking notes and doing all that. I hope you enjoyed it.
2: Oh, of course, I did. <laughs> and the
0: listeners i hope you enjoyed having as much fun as i did i think this um see i want uh, let me clarify too a few things to clarify this isn't a feminist lens there's not a there's no like uh because i feel like what i don't know how to say it like there's like you say feminism there implies like a sense of implied activism like oh it's just uh-huh. like uh this is like a womanhood because they're not like they're they're just doing things while being women they're yeah. not doing they're not engaging in activism. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, because I, I, I feel I feel like what like what with, with, with what I had to say are, about Morrow.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's very. Hold on, real quick. I feel like it's very. I don't know. Maybe Angie, will understand my head a little bit too. I feel like it's a bit reductionist to have people always are so quick to be like, oh, women leads in the CEO Ghibli. Look at this feminism. You know what I mean? Is yeah. that, I incredible. I think
1: I know what you mean, and I'm also. When you mentioned it in the beginning when we were doing our intro, it's so hard to put into words, right? But it's, Mm. in my mind, these women are strong not because Miyazaki intended to make a statement, but because they were literally created to exist in this world with the amount of power that they have.
0: Exactly. Mm. It's like, it's not, it doesn't feel performative, I guess. It's not like performative activism. It's not. Women in this movie, for the sake of being woke and the sake of feminism, it's it's them just being them. very flushed out characters that mm-hmm. that you can engage with. The, I wouldn't call it a text; you engage with the media in a certain way. So I hope I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this. Um, maybe we'll do another one of these. I mean, we'll always do more sages. Sages just are. It's just an excuse to talk about whatever we want. Um... Maybe an Ange and Wendy will come back for a duo together and they'll just do something. That'd be fun. The day the day Ooh. that I'm not in an episode, I'm I'm very looking forward to.
2: Generation question.
1: Push- oh my god, Wendy <laughs>
0: Wendy do not start with me, <laughs>
1: right? Look, if you want
0: to, let's do it. Alright, let's talk about the music real quick. I'm okay. thinking oh. for the beginning. Um
2: What do you think? Either
0: for either the beginning or the end. We can work it out too. It'd be the I think it's pronounced tatara women work song and then Mm. departure for the west for the ending or something
1: oh yes that's
0: cool or it could Mm -hmm. be you know departure of the west for the beginning and we can end as our you know voices fade out and the the tatara women work song fades in
2: Mm.
0: i think the first one i think think the second one one, I, i mean sorry i think the second one works better because they won't explicitly know what's happening, what the what this discussion is about yet.
2: Oh,
1: okay, yeah, <gasps> that's right.
2: cool. Okay. And
0: then since, and then at the end, we already everything has been spoken, and then we end with the tatterer woman works on it. What do you think?
2: Oh yes. Okay. Wait. You like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So we got the music out of the way. There's some more housekeeping. Might as well. Before I forget, let me check the Ooh. the email.
1: The email.
0: Email. Maybe we have an email. Look. It's just good it's just better to check than not to check. You know this. That That's is true. true. Okay. Um No, I think I think we are Yeah, no, we're set, so <gasps> Yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. This was really fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Wendy and Ange back in the saddle again, you know, encourage them. If you if you like it, let them know. Leave a comment on our Instagram, Neighbors Wisdom Podcast, or Twitter, Neighbors Wisdom Pod, you know, let us know. So that way they'll feel encouraged to do more. And then they'll start <laughs> doing things without me. And then I can be a listener like you guys too. I'll send them my email questions. Hell oh, yeah. Um, oh. If you enjoyed, you know, if you ever feel like supporting to us financially, that would be great. We're all a bunch of broke, broke, sexy lads. Some of us are broke financially. Some of us are broke in a respect to our bones. But <laughs> these are things that we can all get over together. Um,
1: and we're all broke spiritually.
0: Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a given. Very That's true. a given. Um, in regards to Nehru's wisdom, that will be back probably sometime September. Ooh. And there'll be a new cast for that as well so you know Ooh. enjoy your Ange content cuz
1: yeah i will Ang be gone for a going to be
0: a, away for a little bit and oh. yeah i guess i guess that's that everyone thank you for listening hope you enjoyed if you ever want to leave us a comment question concern you just want to tell us how your day's been you want to give us a topic to talk about you can email us at neighborswisdompodcast@gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at Pod, instagram at Podcast. And that's it for today, everyone. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.
2: Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs>